You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee, and with me by distance is Paul Doroshenko. Hi, Kyla. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. We, you covered the podcast all by yourself, you and Jan, uh, last week without me. Yeah, and what did you think? I didn't listen to it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, watching. my, my audio was not great, and Jan's was really good which was um, kind of embarrassing because I had my whole mic set up and everything, but my was using my Apple computer and I didn't realize that it was not using the mic that I had. It was using the, the mic on the, uh, on the computer. Right. So Jan sounded great. He sounded like he was there in the studio and I sounded like I was out at a truck stop. Okay. Well, that's, you know, I guess I'll probably sound like I'm at a truck stop because I'm at a truck stop. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> driving law recorded at a truck stop you know what what could go wrong um so big announcement from the ndp this week uh do you mean the election yeah yeah, oh, yeah. an election yeah. i uh, yeah. was really hoping that wouldn't happen well it's funny because so many people are uh sort of angry about that and it's kind of what's the uh, the designed anger that the opposition parties would have uh i mean the reality is the ndp are looking at it and saying they're in the best position to get a majority right now so that's what they want to do so they can have power and do all of those things that they couldn't otherwise do with a with a minority government being propped up by the greens i understand why they did it um what uh, bothers me is, you know, the advertising that I've talked about before and that I sued the BC Liberals for uh, and that the NDP went and did the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, right, flying in the face of of good sense and and uh, it's a, with complete hypocrisy. They use the, uh, the tools of government and the taxpayer money to run ads saying BC is doing so well in the pandemic. You've got all sorts of things that you can do in the pandemic with BC because the BC, you know, BC is great. And that's our tax money uh, trying to control public opinion. And then, uh, you know, just moments after uh, they've been running those ads, they call an election. They're so, like, oh, surprise, election. Bet you didn't yeah, see that coming. Yeah. Well, a bunch of people obviously saw it coming too, though, right? I mean, Baldry was pointing out there's been like 26 press releases on this Friday afternoon. Yeah. So we knew it was coming. And, thought- and people shouldn't be so upset because, I mean, elections, politicians are going to politic, right? Parties are going to do what's in the interest of the party. Uh, their interest, they view it as, as being in power and they persuade themselves that, you know, that's in the best interest of the society. Yeah, I guess. I just, I I had a, you know, more rosy picture of the NDP. It just felt like they weren't trying to gain paltry political advantage from a pandemic. Ooh, I like that. Lots of alliteration. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess I've been paying attention to politics longer. 
I didn't, I was not, uh, I, I, I has, was not persuaded that they were a bunch of wonderful ethical people just doing things the way that I would hope that they would do it. I mean, that's uh, a little are. bit rude. I've been paying attention to politics since I was a kid. Well, I'm not knocking your paying attention to politics. I just, I, I'm more cynical about it, I guess. Yeah. I guess because I've worked in it too. Yeah, that's true. You saw a side of it that I've never seen, nor do I want yeah. to see. Yeah. All those times I've been approached and asked to run. But no. No way. Not now, not ever. Thank you, bye. Yeah. So, but, but uh, I, how does that affect driving law is what I want to know. Well, I wanted to talk to you about that because I think it's, you know, in light of the fact that we've got a month to go um, before we all have to figure out who we're going to vote for. We might want to talk about some of the um, sort of history of the Liberals and the NDP and driving law issues um, to sort of get the, the background on who stands where and why. Okay. Well, what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about um, fines for speeding? Do you want to talk about the IRP scheme? Do you want to talk about the speed limits? Do you want, want to talk, talk about, about the fines for speeding? Because we're going to talk about that later in the podcast. Um, but what I do want to talk about is just, you know, what initiatives the NDP has brought in over their last four-ish years in power and what initiatives we saw under the Liberals and where does that leave us, you know, in our opinion as lawyers on their, their report card, but also our opinion as drivers on their report cards? Well, three years, NDP, Mm -hmm. springtime three years ago so they had basically until this time next year they could have dragged it out for an election yep um and um the um autumn elections always favor the incumbent there's a number of reasons for that but mostly it's because people are not enthusiastic about change just as they're heading into the winter um the uh, of course the bc liberals brought us the horrific irp scheme yeah uh, which has been uh, hugely detrimental to the law um you know, it's, we've, we've continued to make a living defending those cases, uh, lamenting it and trying to get the law challenged and struck down. I guess we've given up on that part. Um, we haven't but, given uh, up. We, we ran out of options. <clears throat> well, we also ran out of money fighting it, um, using our own money doing it. Um, but, uh, you know, they were the ones who instituted it and started the heavy duty moving to tribunals, the tribunalization, I call it, of the justice system, yep. where findings of fact are made by, um, made by adjudicators and uh, then some application of the law made by the adjudicators and the courts will not overturn usually the findings of fact. And uh, they may defer to the findings of law so the adjudicators can basically fulfill the government's agenda, even though it's often contrary to the fairness that the government claims they are providing. That's mm -hmm. a big concern to me. Um, but electronic traffic tickets didn't go that way, right? Yeah, they we were very concerned about that. Yeah, they were saying, Oh, we're going to move traffic court to a tribunal and it never mm -hmm. happened. It never happened. But of course the government changed, right? Yes. The government changed and the NDP were asked about that. You had David Eby on the program mm -hmm. and you asked him about that. I don't know if that was on the record or off the record. I sure hope it was on the record now that I'm saying it. <laughs> um, 
And I think he told you that they had no intention of doing that. No, why would you? Traffic court works well the way it is. Yeah, it works surprisingly well, actually. You know, I think even during the pandemic, somehow, you know, they were shut down for a while, but it, it does work well. And the BC Liberals wanted to put the traffic court in a uh, in-house tribunal where they could have some significant control over the outcome of the decisions in the cases. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it didn't go that way. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, on that basis, I think you could say, if you're concerned about that, the NDP is, you know, in many respects, a better option. Yes. Fairness um, in traffic but... court. NDP. They, but, we, if we if we had a check marks, we should have started this podcast with a checkbox for each party on their position of with respect to driving law. But the NDP also promised we aren't going to move ICBC to a tribunal. True. And then they did. True. Is that so, driving law or is it litigation law? I guess it's driving law. It's ICBC. Well, it's, it's your personal injury rights if you're involved in a motor vehicle accident. That's clearly driving law. Yeah, they tribunalize that. And they're, you know, they're still, they're not done stripping rights. And, and I'll tell you, like, you know, the NDP keeps some of the sort of things that they're talking about in this election is they're making changes to ICBC that are going to save you money and get you big rebates on your insurance and drive your premiums down full fucking shit. Like I haven't seen, I haven't saved a dollar on my insurance. No, my insurance has gone up. Yeah. This has gone up. Dumpster fire. The dumpster fire complaint. Mine didn't go up that much. Thankfully, I was prepared for it to be like $3,000. Well, I'm glad you were prepared because that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. I know it's, it's more than my rent. Um, so tribunalization didn't happen of traffic court tribunalization is happening with ICBC. Yes. Let's talk about um, the raised speed limits under the uh, BC Liberals. Was it the Liberals who raised the speed limits? I thought it was the Absolutely. NDP. No, Todd Stone. That was full on. That was uh, since BC pushing it. They got the Liberals on side. Oh, right. Um, the increased speed Stone. limits went up on the Coquihalla and various other locations. And the uh, NDP has rolled them back in some spots and uh, really didn't make sense to me. The, the way they, they justified it didn't make any sense. Well, and they vilified um, Todd Stone at the time too. They said, you know, he should never have done this. Look how many more people have died. And it wasn't actually more yeah. if you looked at it over a 10-year period. No, and the locations they looked at had weather events and things like that that, that it would explain the accidents. And the accidents weren't as a result of speed. Uh, and uh, the accidents were were during those bad weather events. Yeah. Um, so it was it was disingenuous, I felt, for them to do that. And it was basically just an attack on Todd Stone. Um, and it was um, to try and um, probably try and uh, uh, get some more green supporters. Okay. Because well, the green supporters, you hear them, you know, the the cycling crowd, they want the speed limit reduced to thirty kilometers an hour everywhere in the province at all times to force people out of their cars and onto their bikes. It's not gonna get me on my bike. Well, of course not. There's literally nothing that will get me on a bike. Well, I like to ride my bike, but you know, I didn't think that in the locations where they changed the speed limit, there's one spot on the island and I drove there in the summer and the speed limit had been reduced and, and um, my GPS still gave it as 120. 
Really? I thought it was on the island. I can't remember where it was, but my speed limit on the GPS gave me 120. Maybe it was east, the uh, Okanagan connector. There was not a soul on the road and there was absolutely no reason that it shouldn't have been 120. Uh, but it was 110. And it was one of those spots that you're looking at and you're going, wow, you know, the, the liberals were right. That was done with the uh, Ministry of Transport, you know, independent uh, assessment of people from the Ministry of Transport deciding that speed limit could be 120. And here we have the political involvement of the NDP to reduce the speed limit in a spot where it made no sense, none whatsoever. And, and there you go. So a mark against the NDP. One for, exactly. one against. Well, I think later on in this election, we're going to have to come up with our, our checklist. All right. What about, oh, I guess there's two against the Liberals because they have the RRP scheme. Um, all right. But what about uh, increasing fines? Liberals brought in the distracted driving. The Liberals increased some of the penalties for distracted driving. The NDP continued that trend. Yes, but nobody's increased the other speed limit things like speed limit uh, speeding fines starting at one hundred and thirty-eight bucks. We're going to talk um, about. That. Don't talk about. Know, that now. Oh, okay, all right. So they've all been over the top when it comes to cell phone tickets. They've all described them as distracted driving. Uh, in all cases, it is ninety uh, percent. Those tickets are issued to people, probably 99% are issued to people who are stopped at traffic lights or stopped in construction. Um, and every government has used it disingenuously uh, as a way to try and get the public on side by showing that they're tough on, um, on um, cell phone drivers and uh, as, a, as a moneymaker. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, you know, we've got those, that data. Uh, and we've seen that like nobody died in the lower mainland from using a cell phone and driving, at least that they could connect it from the coroner's office. And we've talked to police officers and no police officers have been to accidents with them, if you ask them. Um, I've seen people, you know, Instagram videoing and driving and things like that. And that's very dangerous. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but um, the cruel punishment to the people who pick up their cell phone when they see that their 13-year-old uh, daughter has sent them a text message at 2.30 in the afternoon when she's supposed to be getting out of school. Um, you know, that seems over the top. I think that probably, I mean, I, I, I'm sure it plays well with the public. Mm -hmm. Doesn't play well with the mother who gets the text message. Nope. But she's not blaming the particular government probably. She's probably blaming herself. Because she's yeah, a distracted driver. Officer. What's that? Or the or police blaming the police officer. officer, yeah. Okay, so that falls both ways. Well, to both of them, to both of them, yeah. And now, then, the uh, BC Liberals brought in the excessive speeding law with the seven-day impound. Right. And the seven-day impound's not reviewable, which drives me bonkers. Yeah, and it seems completely unfair, um, and that there's nothing you can do about it, and you can't get your money back or anything if you succeed in your trial there's no there's no it's recourse valid, no money back no compensation nothing it's frankly unconstitutional in my opinion but an unreviewable seizure of property for which there is no remedy even if you're successful in disputing the underlying action that triggers it it's gotta yeah. be unconstitutional 
Well, you know, uh, Brian Mulroney tried to uh, uh, bring in uh, in Meech Lake and Charlottetown a uh, charter rights about property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and never succeeded. And of course, they have that in the United States. Uh, and anytime you tell an American lawyer about it, they always flip out. They can't believe that the government can take your property without a hearing. And then I remind those American lawyers that they also have, um, uh, 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 what is it called? Why is this escaping me? This is what happens when I'm tired. Civil forfeiture? Civil forfeiture. Yeah. And they use it in a crazy abusive way that is beyond anything we even contemplate here. Well, it's been pretty crazy abusive here sometimes too, but um, just the whole idea of it uh, in the States, you know, you can't seize property at all. The government can't seize property at all without going in front of a court right away. Uh, And here they seize your car for seven days without really any remedy. You can't go before a court. Yeah, that's some some real bullshit. You know, the very first case I had, I think I told you, it was a family... Um, it was a long weekend that came right after the law came into effect and it was a family traveling to Calgary and um, the road as they came closer to a town they didn't know it became uh, two lanes on the highway instead of instead of single lane and there was a truck ahead and the guy went to pass the truck with what would have been probably 10 kilometers an hour over the speed limit and because he was passing a truck he missed the sign that was on the other side of the truck lowering the speed limit to 70. Um, and, uh, you know, he wasn't far on, like it wasn't to the point where he was getting close to town. It would just been lowered to 70 and he was going 110. And uh, the family minivan was gone for seven days in the, you're in the middle of the, of the Rockies somewhere, right? Golden or, or Fernie or something. Felt, felt sorry for them because they were... They were regular, you know, hardworking people, and this was their big vacation. They couldn't go on a vacation in the summertime because they couldn't afford it. And then this happened to them. Well, there's, okay, so there's that. That's bad BC Liberals point. But then you've got the uh, NDP bringing in the speed cameras and increasing the number of red light cameras. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have speed cameras before. Yep. Now we got speed cameras all over the place, and there's lots of them. They're, yep. they're, I think there's more than they told us because I seem to see them all over the place now. And we have added are, a few more than they said. I think there are the number they told us, but I think there are um, a lot more signs because they put signs even where the intersections are just regular, like red light cameras. No, but I see the cameras, right? I'm spotting the cameras, and there's a few spots that I did not expect to see them. Right, but it could be a red light only camera. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't got one yet. I guess I don't drive through intersections that fast, but um, I'm not a fan, as you know, of of speed cameras. I'm more more sympathetic to red light cameras, mainly because I think it's so dangerous in the lower mainland the way people go blowing through red lights and i'd like to find some disincentive and of course the problem with all of these camera tickets is it's mailed to you and you receive it after the fact so it doesn't really it it doesn't work as the disincentive that you have when you have a police officer issuing you a a, um, red light ticket 
but the police are so reluctant to issue red light tickets. That's because people just say, oh no, it was yellow when I entered. I know. I get it. I know the reasons that they are. <laughs> so I, that's the reason I'm more, I'm relative, I'm a little bit supportive of red light tickets. I'm not as opposed to it, especially when I see somebody get it. I'm usually going, you know, when I see the thing flash at a car, mm -hmm. I'm usually thinking to myself, yeah, that was really bad. Like entering, the, the, the light turned red four meters before the intersection. So there's some benefit of the doubt there. I don't know. Do you think people are really upset about red light to can, uh, speed enforcement? Well, when like, I posted, like intersection speed enforcement. When I posted on on Twitter after the um, election was called officially, um, I said, you know, I, I posted my my dislike of the fact that this was being done in the middle of a pandemic, and a lot of people brought up intersection enforcement as an issue that mattered to them. A lot of people huh. said that it was something that they were against, and a lot of people said that it was something that they were for. So I think on that, on the, you know, driving law report card, as a lawyer, obviously, I, I vote no. As a driver, I'm indifferent because, you know. So it's not affecting you because you're not driving that way. Not affecting me because I don't run red lights usually, um, and I, I don't speed through intersections at a rate of speed that's going to trigger a camera. But does it deter you knowing the camera's there? No, because I'm, I'm not doing it anyway. Okay, I'm just hoping that it deters somebody knowing the camera's there. And at least they've been forthright about signing it, right? That's uh, true. You drive through an intersection in Edmonton, you're 11 kilometers over the speed limit, you'll get a ticket mailed to you and there's no sign there telling you. So it's that's the surprise true. revenue generator. Whereas yeah. in BC, there's a big sign telling you this is a, you know, the laws at this intersection are photo enforced. It's not that big of a sign. It's not hidden. That's true. There's no attempt to hide it. And then like original photo radar, you know, all the people say this is photo radar 2.0. Unlike original photo radar, where you go by and you wouldn't even know, you know, there'd be a car parked on the side of the road and you wouldn't think anything of it until you get a ticket in the mail. Yeah, and this is like, these are collision locations, right? The other locations, most of the time you're looking at it and you're going like, there's absolutely no reason. I remember photo radar. There's absolutely no reason for there to be photo radar here. It's a spot where you can safely drive a little bit faster. And if you do, you know, nobody, nobody is harmed by it. Whereas okay. at intersections, you know, it's a, it's a completely different thing. Cars going one way, cars going the other. Now... You've brought up a couple times increasing speeding fines, and I wanted to talk about that today for two reasons. First of all, um, the same day the election was called, I was doing an interview with Mike Smith, and I actually got cut off in my interview because of the breaking news of uh, Horgan going to announce the election. Um, but we were in the middle of talking about how the new Doring fine just came into effect on Monday. $368 if you open your door unsafely. And one of the things that I had said in that, that interview, and I've done a previous one with Mike Smith, was that the speed, speed fines in BC are a lot lower than that for a regular speeding ticket or, you know, 20 to 39 kilometers an hour over the speed limit, 196 bucks. Excessive speeding, yeah, 368, 483. But like the risk associated with excessive speeding is much higher than opening your door. And 
I think that I may have triggered something because it looks like the government's doing a review of speed fines. Well, you think you triggered something. I was on the radio a couple of weeks before with Mike Smith, and we were talking about defending speeding tickets, and we were talking about the uh, amount of the tickets. And he was on, uh, or it was actually the day after that, he had somebody on about it, and he was, he um, texted me to ask me about some of the fines, and I sent him photographs of the speeding fines out of one of the uh, police speeding books that we've got, the, the quick reference manuals. So Mike Smith, um, so, if you're listening, it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I mean, it's kind of my fault because I talked about it and I think it brought it up the next day. Well, it's it, it, it back up, I guess. It was a couple, three weeks ago that Mike and I talked about something and we just mentioned speeding tickets and I guess their switchboard lit up. Uh, okay. And then I was on for speeding tickets and then the next day they had somebody on for uh, talking about the amount of the tickets. And it was, I think it was somebody from... Uh, um, like the Saanich uh, uh, municipality city, uh, uh, the uh, elected representative saying that the, the ticket amounts have to go up. Yeah, it was, it was Central Saanich, the municipality of Central Saanich, a motion put forward at the Union of BC Municipalities for all the municipalities to put pressure on the government to increase speeding fines. Well, the interesting thing though, is I, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about things that they threw out to the green people. So lowering the speed limits where the BC Liberals had increased it and the huge amount of fines for the dooring. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that not just a, a uh, pre-election um, try and grab some of the Green Party vote? You uh, know? Well, it's definitely try and grab the cyclist vote. Well, and that's who they decided is the Green Party vote probably. No, because this this whole thing was sponsored by Bo and Ma. With the door, the Doring thing. Yeah, she was the, the person behind her, behind Curse it. Cursed. Cursed. She's so wonderful. She's so wonderful. Look, she accomplished something. It was because one of her constituents was killed in a Doring accident. Yeah. So well. her constituency said, "This is what we want," and she made it happen. Tons and tons of people are killed in car accidents at intersections every year when somebody runs a red light. Still like $138 or some damn thing for a red light ticket. Yep. Yep. Three to, three to 138 for speeding, 109 for a red light, 167 for disobeying a traffic control device. It's absurd. Yeah, some of the fines are really too cheap, but you know, really too cheap when we live in the lower mainland, um, you know, might be hard on you if you live in uh, the cusp. Yes. I don't think the fines are too cheap. I mean, you know, I think back to the two speeding tickets I got when I was a teenager, both of which were $138. That was 20, almost 20 years ago. Um, I know it hasn't gone up over my career. I didn't, I didn't have the money to pay that. I couldn't afford that. I know tons of people who can't afford the $138 if they were to get a ticket. And there's no, you can't so get a fine you, reduction. You, you don't think they should go up is what you're saying? No, I don't. But I think they should go up. I, I think it's not a deterrent money-wise. I mean, I think it should be starting at $200. Really? 
But you know. when have you seen, Paul, when and any time have you seen a fine, the amount of a fine deter behavior on the road? Well, I think it deterred me when I was 16. It was $99 or $69 or something like that. Uh, and I think it deterred me. Really? Yeah, I think it was a, you know, that was a, it was a costly hit. I slowed I down as a consequence. You know, I, I don't think the fine changes people's behavior and distracted driving is a perfect example of that. We've had the distracted driving law now 10 years in BC. The fine has gone from $167 and zero points to $368 and four points and a high risk driving designation. And yet- 10 years ago, not everybody had a, a smartphone. So it's so still going up. The reason that, yeah, it's going up because everybody's got a smartphone now and we're more attached to our phones and more addicted to our phones. Look, 10 years ago, I did not spend the time staring at my phone that I do now. I'm addicted to staring at my phone now. It's horrible, <laughs> but it's true. But I just don't do it. But I, You know it, um, but I don't do it. I just don't do it in my car. See, I, I just think, you know, the other thing that bothered me about this being a motion at the UBCM, those two things that bother me about it. The first is the Union of BC Municipalities, their only interest in increasing the fine amount for speeding is that they get a cut of the revenue from traffic tickets. And so the more the fines are, the more money goes to the municipalities. And the other thing that bothered me about it, just it just it like so many road safety in quotation marks initiatives, it seems to be more smelling like a dollars and cents than actually about like road safety. But the I other you thing just had was, it out. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. I thought it was just you had something out for the politicians in Central Saanich that you didn't care for them. Well, it's not the politicians in Central Saanich, um, but I grew up there. And Central Saanich Police Department does not have a traffic unit and does not make speed enforcement or traffic enforcement a priority. Like I got two speeding tickets when I was a teenager and I did not get them in Saanichton. I have been through one roadblock in Saanichton in my entire life. It was at four o'clock PM. The only thing they ever did with any regularity was they would set up at the four-way stop near the high school and check that the high school students had their end signs up and were wearing their seat belts. And that's it. Beyond that, well, those kids need to learn how to wear their need to learn to wear their seat belts. Most kids need to. Those kids need to wear their seat belts. Most kids don't need to wear their seat belts because we've been socialized just automatically to put them on. Well, they need to wear them though. Right. If they're trying out their rebellious stage and they're gonna, you know try and drive a kilometer without a seatbelt, they need to know that, you know, they're being watched the man. Somebody's taking the, care of them. I'm going to drive the three minute drive home without a seatbelt. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I was sharing a meme this week. A meme? A meme? I never meme. know how to say this. Meme? 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 Is that what they call them? Yeah, yeah it's I was a sharing meme. a meme this week. I probably sent it to you too. Uh, it was like, they, they showed somebody putting a seatbelt on. They said, it said, they took away your freedom once. Don't let them take it away again. And the next one was somebody wearing a mask. I was like, holy shit, people are fucking stupid. Yeah. Anyway. It's the same <laughs> Just thing. wear a mask, people. They're not taking away your freedom. It's, it's like the cyclists who think that mandatory helmet laws 
are so bad. They're like, what, how would you feel if you had to like put something on every time you got in your car? I'm like, I do. It's called a seatbelt. Yeah, but you don't have to carry it with you. What if you had to carry it everywhere? Then I'd carry it everywhere. I think you should only have to wear a helmet if you're riding places where you might see kids like you're riding past a school. Why? I don't want to wear a helmet. Why? I do. It's just such a pain in the ass. Oh breaks my, my hair. They feel so silly. It doesn't feel like it's going to save me or anything. I okay. mean, I wear a helmet because I've had numerous concussions. And, yeah. you know, the next concussion will probably finish me. Uh, but, you know, for most of my life, I thought, what the hell am I doing? Well, mind you, I did have a bad collision when I was a kid. And I spent, you know, four days in the hospital as a result. And if I wore a helmet, I probably would have spent three days. Yeah, I don't want to pay your <clears throat> hospital bills out of my tax dollars because you didn't want to mess up your hair. Uh, yeah, but my hair is getting pretty thin and I got to get little moments that I can, right? Mm, still no sympathy from me, Doroshenko. Yeah. All right. Did you have anything you wanted to cover before we move on to your favorite part of the week? Uh, I, I, if there's, I don't want to put up anything that, that slows the progress to getting to my favorite part of the week. So let's hear it. All right. It's time for the Ridiculous Driver of the Week. The Ridiculous Driver of the Week. And this week we have a great one. You know how I love hilarious drunk drivers, right? Well, don't we all? And you know how I love Florida man, right? Great. What does Florida man do? Drunk. Florida man. Lawn lawnmower? Riding a gator? Nope. Oh, riding Howard a gator. gator? That would be a really good drunk driving charge. Hey, wasn't it you? <clears throat> Before we get to this, weren't you and I talking today that, like, if you were, like, hanging out in a river in a pool noodle and you bumped into a cow that you would be guilty of a hit and run? Well, yeah, because a uh, hit and run, criminal hit and run is uh, if you hit a car, a person, or cattle. And so uh, that's in the criminal code, cattle. And uh, I don't know how it got into the criminal code, but uh, you know the presumption before was a motor vehicle, but now that it's been changed to a conveyance, um, if you were to hit a cow with a canoe, or with a pool noodle, and were to run, not exchange your, you know, your personal information with the cow and check on the cow's good health and, you know, render call the police, assistance. render reasonable assistance, call the police. I don't know. I mean, you know, a hit and run of a cow now with a pool noodle is, is probably a criminal offense. Thank you, Jody Wilson-Raybould. And, of course, we know the hit and runs, criminal hit and runs is presumptive jail time. Yep. So you could go to jail for that. Yeah. Hit a, hit a cow with a pool noodle. A pool noodle is a conveyance because uh, it can be operated in a, as a flotation device, just like a canoe. Um, a cow is covered for hit and run. So if you hit a cow with a pool noodle and run, criminal offense. <laughs> That's even more ridiculous than the ridiculous driver of the week, but it could theoretically happen. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, but just there are ridiculous driver reminded me of that for no reason other than this 22-year-old Florida man early uh, Sunday um, at the beginning of September got charged 
with impaired driving after he got caught almost at a roadblock. Unfortunately, he didn't make it to the roadblock because he smashed into the sign that said, drive sober or get pulled over. Well, maybe he was making a statement. <laughs> yeah, and then he told the police. He really did make a statement, I guess. <laughs> he told the police that uh, um, he was talking on his phone and it was just distracted driving. Did he provide breath samples? or? Yeah, he blew a 160, so. Yeah, it wasn't just distracted driving. No. So there you go. Their sign actually stopped a drunk driver. That's true. Be proud. Yeah. And drive. it should say drive sober or get pulled over. Also, please break. Yeah. Also, if you hit the sign, it will also be a likely indication that you're, that you're drunk and uh, you will also be arrested. Maybe he was just trying to make a political statement. About you know what? He wasn't pulled over. He wasn't pulled over, though, was he? Really? <laughs> No, he was in an Drove accident. Drunk and he wasn't pulled over. They found him outside his car. Because well, his go. car was so damaged from smashing into the sign. There you go. He, he drove drunk it. and wasn't pulled over. So the sign, complete lie. They better change their whole slogan. Yep. Drive drunk, run over a sign the police might attend is what it should be. Well, it should, it should rhyme. So drive drunk, run over a sign. You might get more than just a fine. That's true. The police may make you walk the line. Oh, that's a good one, because he did do sobriety tests, which he did very poorly on. So, there you go. I thought you'd get a kick out of that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm sorry I was, I was, you know, distracted you there with my pool noodle cow thing. No, I... When it dawned on me that that (laughs) could be the case, I, I spent about 20 minutes laughing to myself. Then I realized, oh my goodness. If the conservatives are ever elected, people they'll start prosecuting people for that. Yes, they probably will. Um, well, that's that's our podcast. Well, it's not a bad podcast. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. We're going to record live in the studio. Is that the idea? We'll be back. We'll be or, live. Will you, or will you have somebody else? No, guest I'll other have than you. me. I've got, a, I've got an out-of-town trial on Wednesday, so I won't even be back till Okay, well, if you're back and uh, you're up to it, then come and I'll meet you in the studio. Otherwise, I will phone you from the studio, probably. Well, I'll be in the studio because it's close to the airport. So I'll see you oh, there. That's true. That's true. That's true if you make it back. Okay, good. Well, good luck with your trial and uh, well, I'll see you before then. Okay. Okay. And if you have a driving law-related issue and you need to get in touch with us, you can find us online at vancouvercriminallaw.com or contact us by phone at 604-685-8889 and tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law.